Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I'm your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about RPing in MMOs. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what we do on this podcast? Uh, well, on this podcast, uh, what we do is pretty simple. We like to talk about games. Tabletop, video. We haven't really ever done a board games episode. No. Hypothetically, I'd like to do a board games episode, but I'm not very well knowledged in it. Like, I, I'd like, I'd like to get a good guess for that. Like, to get somebody who like really knows like Settlers of Catan or something, like somebody who could explain to me why Settlers of Catan is like so like amazing in incredibly minute detail. I would really love. I think so. uh, Charles or his friend Owen might be good for that. We'll have to yeah. talk to them <laughs> about potential guest spots. Any, any, um, any loyal, any loyal listeners out there, hit us up. Uh, I guess I would just put out that call to arms. Anyways, uh, we played some games this week because it was our super cool featured on Twitch week, week, which Ooh. was nice. Uh, even though Twitch didn't actually feature us on Monday, I think. Did, did you see anything? No, I, th- there was another, there was another group running during that slot, which is why I think that they, uh, like there was a, the tabletop spotlight group up. Um, that wasn't us. Uh, maybe they figured that we, they knew we, we had the slot for Wednesday. Um, couldn't tell you though. Also, you know, we have like no followers on Twitch as one of the people who saw us on the front page was quick to point out. So maybe they wanted to promote somebody who was, you know, actually well known, but we did get pr- featured on Wednesday, which was Good, amazing. Because, uh, there were a bunch of people. The chat was active. Not going to lie. We spoofed the numbers a little bit. A couple of our friends tuned in, um, <laughs> which, you know, in a weird way, I felt a little bit bad about, but I also don't because I thought it was funny and who cares? It's our channel. We can do what we want, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we had like maybe like four people from that we knew show up compared yeah. to like the 6200 we were getting in total, which means that most of them are coming from the front page. I think the most telling, the most telling message was like... I'm so confused right now, but it's really entertaining or something like that. Yeah, but the game is so intriguing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly kind of what I like hope uh, hoped would happen on Hell's Rebels because one of the things I enjoy about Hell's Rebels, I actually talked about this after the cast. Um, well, okay, I I, I could talk about that in a minute. Um, let's talk about Rune Lords first. Get that out of the way. We didn't do all that much in Rune Lords this week. Yeah, I we feel fought. Like, I feel like we've been saying that every week we play Rune Lords. Um, well, we, we, the past, the past couple of weeks have been this long protracted fight with this boss. We fought it. We killed it real good. It was a relatively short session. Uh, we leveled up and gained some mythic power, embraced some sin. Um, and, uh, that was, uh, about that for that game, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah. I really don't know what else to say. Uh, Rune Lords definitely feels, you know, like we're on the back nine of uh, of, of Rune Lords, obviously. Um, and there's just kind of a little bit left to do. Um, so we're just taking, you know, we're just kind of like taking our time moving through, you know. We're not really quite quite like the super high rev, high power uh, that, that certain games can you know, start with, or even, like, peak with, right? Like, Iron Gods was a little bit like there. I thought there were some, like, there was some, like, doldrum 
uh, they're, they're like those two middle books, three and four, were really doldrumsy for me. I felt like we were kind of like low. Uh, yeah, no, enthusiasm I, and stuff. But then five and six got we got into it. I, I agree. I think part of it too is that um, I think this boss fight went on for just a little bit too long. Like I can't imagine how how tired we'd be at the end of it if we had to kill all those orcs before we got to the fight. Yeah. Um. Or maybe he had planned for, like, those major encounters to be scattered a little bit more inside of those. But, like, it also didn't feel like a particularly special encounter. In fact, I would say I think part two was maybe um, a little bit better um, in, ter- in terms of, like, engaging in exciting mechanics and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think we're, we're starting to hit the point where, like, a lot of the interest is going to be in what is effectively the power wank. Like, the, oh, I've got, like, <laughs> 17, enough, 14 true. levels and two mythic tiers. Watch what crazy bullshit I can pull. Like, I definitely get the feeling that that's what's happening with Rufus. Um, and while I think that, that Nick's a little bit more prone to that that kind of uh, that, that kind of play style, I think that is kind of what's what's ultimately feeding into this. Um, just because I, I think that, like, uh, I, I think that with, with kind of this little bit of cleanup, I, I think the RP will pick back up when we hit Sandpoint again. I think there's a lot of baggage there to hit, and we haven't been there in a while. Yeah, that's um, definitely true. I certainly, certainly feel that. Um, and and, and not, not, to, not to shit on the tournament again, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that, like, kind of the muddledness of the tournament kind of dropped a lot of like the threads, but there are some strong threads from before the tournament that I think you can reconnect to, right? Like, like, uh, Rufus's criminal enterprises and wooden wanderers cult. Um, yeah. And, and a little, and all those points in Sandpoint, I, I think frankly, the person who had the, the best and most post, um, tournament development was, was Kenzo. Um, just because he had his whole arc with his, his, his waifu and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. You know, something that, um, I was actually thinking about this after the, uh, after the session in Hell's Rebels a little bit. Um, what, something that I like a lot about Hell's Rebels is that they, we have come to, um, a kind of like, because there's so many choice, like so, so much of that game, right, is making all these different choices and everything like that, right? Like there are kind of almost like factions that form based on people who make choices, kind of in groups, right, and why they're making those, uh, and why they're making those choices, and that kind of makes relationships between characters happen, right? The adversarial relationship between Beauregard and Vercox, right? Uh, Alaric and Beauregard. Uh, obviously kind of have a, a, a symbiotic relationship. Um, I think to a certain extent, Merigrug and Weirin definitely do too. And I think that's something that doesn't happen in Rune Lords in the same way. To a certain extent, I kind of feel like Rune Lords is like four people who don't like each other very much, but like work in the same department. Yeah. You know I- what I mean? Like four people and they're, and they're like offices or, or like it's less than that. Like they're cubes. Are like adjacent, and so every once in a while, you know, somebody will kind of like talk to somebody else. But like, I, I get, I, there's a, there's kind of like a break. I feel like because we all have our own specific RPs, um, and there isn't an overlap, uh, in, I, in the same way. I guess. I think part of it is also like there's a lot of like live and let live attitude among all of those cat- characters, right? Like, you know, 
Rufus wouldn't wander or con Kenzo. They may or may not like each other very much, but it's not like one of them doing their thing is going to piss is going to cause conflict. It's just going to kind of be like, oh, well, he's go off going to talk to trees again. Oh, he's lifted some heavy rock because it makes him feel good about himself. Mm. Oh, he's gone and like married a wife. You know, like oh, there's Rufus doing the drugs again. Not that I care that much type thing. Like, like, like none of the characters care enough about the actions of the other characters yeah. for it to breed any type of conflict or 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 mutual um, in a positive or a negative way, which, which is I think where a lot of a lot of the the best are. P comes from. I, I agree. Um, yeah. Then we also played Hell's Rebels, uh, where you guys dealt with Kexi, uh, but first you had to choose whether or not you were gonna switch up your priorities in the last week. Uh, which I feel like I'm batting a thousand. Because every time I set up one of these choices, I'm always afraid that it's going to be with something that, like, there aren't two good sides to it. And so everybody instantly agrees, and there's actually no contention there. Because, like, to a certain extent, the choices are all built to be something that, like, you take a position on and fight about it a little bit. If that makes sense. I, I never want one of these choices to just be like blanket statement. No kind of thing. Um, but that's exactly what happened. You know, you guys, you guys plugged it out. Uh, what, 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 the, one of the big reasons I wanted to do that was I wanted to bright line. I really wanted to bright line the stakes um, a little bit so that like it was you, definitive, right? You will lose this benefit, and this is how it affects you, right? And it's super, super clear. It's not in kind of abstract terms. And pit that against the abstract terms, right, of where, oh, man, we don't know what this ritual looks like. We don't know what the serial killer, you know, all of this other kind of stuff getting in the way. I thought that was, uh, like, an interesting perspective because I did want to give you guys the opportunity to reevaluate um, after you'd spent some time uh on it in case you did want to switch gears at the last moment kind of thing. Yeah, no, I was, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was definitely kind of surprising that things went the way they did. I, I think for them, like, so, so, so to be frank, um, one, I, I think it was kind of, uh, good that, that it went the way it didn't having not played for a little while, it kind of let us rehash a bunch of stuff, which is one good for the new audience in a, in a middle way. And two kind of good for just like laying everything out and keeping everything fresh in our minds. Um, but it did kind of get to the point where I felt like, um, like people were making arguments that had been made before and, and that felt like it dragged a little bit, but, uh, I'm not going to really blame anybody for that. Yeah. Um, I also think that was because, uh, we, I, I, I appreciate it when it does this, but I also think that it doesn't quite work sometimes. I guess um, where, you know, I had it, I had it in mind uh, where it was just kind of these two choices, but you, you know, yeah, I thought it was a very good point, right? Can we have some of our other people, right? Can we kind of delegate that out? Um, and so that added like an extra dimension to the choice all of a sudden right right now. It's not, it's not an A or B, it's like a matrix, you know what I mean? Like, um, and so I think that kind of got a little bit lost in the weeds, um, but Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's just me. 
Um, yeah, but I, I thought it, I thought it was good. I thought there was good tension. I would say maybe you should have held off on the dice roll for for uh, what, what's her name? Uh-oh. Yeah, uh, for uh, uh, Ariandes. Yeah, Ariandes, yes. The reason I wanted to do that, to be honest, was I just kind of wanted to provide closure for the viewers. It was well. for the viewers. Uh, so yeah, that, 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 that's that's fair. <laughs> um, oh. Though I guess it would have been a good cliffhanger to bring him back. I, know, I was also gonna, to, uh, you. You could have also had us like, you could have said, you know, mango roll D one hundred call high low after we finished talking to, to, to Vasquez and mm-hmm. then based on that been like, you know, you get a, you know, you, you walk back in and if we're successful, Ariana said, Ariana has says, uh, we successfully chased somebody, somebody who, somebody off who was trying to like murder a street urchin or somebody or something like that. Um, and kind of tied it in right there and kind of like, uh, built the mystery, but you know, that, that's, that's also kind of like a hindsight is 2020 type thing. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, just I, I think I think it was I think it was a good mechanic for it. But I do I do think kind of like doing it there and like saying in the future, you realize this is, is, is a little bit of a is, is a little bit of a bungle. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that everything else wasn't great. Um, I thought the I thought the scene with with uh, with Kexty it was Vasquez it was Kexty um, was uh, was amazing. Um, I thought that played out. <laughs> Super well, but for uh, but for our ranger having a bit too much to drink, um, and uh, I, I I'm glad that everybody kind of got into it. Um, I'm glad everybody got into it too. It's also funny because Kexty was very on the fly for me. Um, I created Kexty specifically for the Twitch event, um, so it I, I I created him for the Twitch event, so I didn't do that thing. Where which I typically do, where I kind of rehearse in my head and know what I'm looking for, I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I you know like I do this with you know I do this with Tonric, I do this with Gondor, right? Because a lot of the times I want these moments to play on in a certain way, and so I fine tune them, so to speak. Um, but Kexi was very off the cuff. Uh, I like that he's gay. <laughs> which was which was a suggestion from the audience. Somebody somebody said like, and now they kiss, right? And I was sitting there, and I was just kind of like, oh, I guess I kind of have played, you know, played him off a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit foppish. Let's like lean into that kind of thing. Um, no, I I I, I like <laughs> like the moment that it happened too. Like I was like, you know what, Beauregard Beauregard doesn't give a shit. Beauregard's like in this for like. <laughs> Beauregard needs to secure an ally, and if that's what this, this means, that's what this means. Yeah. Um, although I do kind of wish that I had gotten as Altanis now. Like, like in retrospective, I think that moment would have been... A- <laughs> that would have been funnier, I think I agree. Yeah, yeah uh, I felt bad. I did screw that up a little bit. I didn't quite advertise... Um, I didn't quite advertise the choices, I think, as part of the diplomacy challenge as well as I should have. I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, I feel like that first choice, I didn't explain that one well. Which, which, um, which first choice? Oh, oh, you mean that the option of... Uh, get absorbed by Kexty's dudes. Yeah. Um, I kind of thought about, you know, I, I said it, I kind of said it all out, and I moved on, but then I thought about it a little bit later, and I was like, ah, I kind of fucked that up a little bit. Um, because that, so, you know, what I was trying to do with this diplomacy challenge was make it, instead of it be like, you know, with the Illyria one, right, 
its basic level rewards better, you know, than those rewards plus than those rewards plus kind of thing, right? So the farther you get, the more cumulative you get. In this one, I wanted it to be the farther you get, the more options you get, right? And you can choose between these options. And that first option was supposed to be, right, are, do you think this rebellion system is bullshit? Do you hate wasting time on it? Good. Throw the rebellion to Kexty and we won't worry about it anymore kind of thing. And I think I kind of should have said something about that out of character from like a yeah. mechanics perspective because I don't think that did, I don't think that came across um yeah, I don't think that came across at all. Yeah, what, was, I, what yeah. I assume that was is like that's like you have not done great at this diplomacy challenge. That means that you I know, I know that's like exactly yeah, second I second level exactly, in this rebellion and you eventually yeah, I know. That's exactly what I fucking thought. Um, because, the, you know, I wanted it to be in character, right? I was like, you know, the diplomacy challenge should be entirely in character. But then during the second one, when I was reading that, I was like, this one, I have to talk about the mechanics. So I stepped out of kind of the character just to explain the mechanics. And as I was doing that, I was like, I should have done that for the first one. But I was kind of like, I don't want to derail. I, I just kind of yeah. like got lost in it. Um, just my bad, I guess. Uh, so, so, hmm. One thing I I will say, um, just kind of like in general, I thought the scene played out well, and I thought it flowed pretty pretty well. But I do think something that I'm seeing become a danger and might might be a problem in the future if we ever hit like a, a weird diplomacy challenge that doesn't flow as well is like with the knowledge of what works best and what works least best, um, and kind of and the knowledge of these bonus rolls. I think there's a uh, 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 a like a an encouragement to kind of ignore the context of the conversation and the flow of the conversation, and like bend it to whatever the easiest role is, mm -hmm. which I don't think is perfect, right? Like, like I, I think, for example, um, I think I think Rakox's athletic check maybe kind of fell into that category where Rakox saw an opportunity to like get a success which didn't necessarily flow with the tenor of the conversation at that moment. Yeah, I feel that. Um, I thought, like I said, I thought, like I thought earlier when Maragrug attempted it and it failed, um, I thought that was the right place in the conversation for that. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that like the conversation generally flowed well. And I, and I think that uh, to his credit, Alaric pulled out a diplomacy check, even though he knew that that was the, the, the worst kind of um, attempt. Um, uh, uh, he pulled out the, uh, because it flowed better with the situation. Um, yeah, yeah. To a certain extent, I actually kind of agree with you. Um, one of the weird things is in book one. Uh, you know, in book one, you kind of got this whole suite of options right at the bat, right? Like, um, to kind of start moving through the map, essentially, right? The flow chart of these are all the things you need to accomplish in order to finish out book one. Um, and you just kind of happen to like. Session three and four were both diplomacy challenges I had written for the book, right, right in a row, back to back. Right? Yeah. Um, and then in book two, you guys actually basically skipped a diplomacy challenge. I don't quite want to spoil. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, you you guys actually skipped a diplomacy challenge. Um, I do kind of want to spoil this. Um, I you, you uh, the there was a diplomacy challenge originally, um, in the context of the Waywatcher stuff. Um, okay. 
where they were going to be more hostile, but it kind of, it was one of those decisions that I kind of made on the fly um, because you, I, I, I realized that the timbre of, it didn't quite make sense for the people whose lives you just saved to like all of a sudden kind of get on your case and you need to use a diplomacy challenge to calm them down. That was kind of like the, the idea behind it, so to speak. Um, but, you know, uh, it was, uh, you know, obviously Beauregard, goes to diplomacy right off the bat and um and we're in had kind of gone out of his way to to exp- to make sure that they knew that he was also a waywatcher and i was just right. like I'll, I'll let that go um uh that because i sense. wanted i wanted there to be i shouldn't explain that uh never mind uh, anyway so i skipped that one deliberately and now we're basically at the tail end of book two right you guys have to uh finish out this stuff and then we're in the end of chapter you know the end of chapter mega dungeon and um and so there's been a ton of time between point A and point B, essentially, uh, where we've actually run a diplomacy challenge, which has kind of, like, made me think about it a little again and, like, re- revisited those rules. And I think I might update them, maybe. Something I was thinking, for instance, was that um, maybe a diplomacy challenge looks better where you... It is, it's more freeform and creative, right? Um, where you... Uh, Every time you make a check, the DC of using that say you can use any skill you want, right? Every time you make a check, the DC of that check uh, increases, right? So if you spam diplomacy over and over again, right, by whatever the number is, you're just going to fail. You're going to be failing these diplomacy checks kind of thing. Um, but it encourages you to, you know, like like spread out and go wide on your variety of skills and try and figure out uh, other skills to kind of incorporate. And I was thinking about, you know, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about um, changing up uh, the way that this, I, I kind of don't like that the sense motive right at the top gives you everything. I kind of almost would prefer a version of the sense motive check where, you know, you reveal maybe piecemeal information. Um, I, I feel if you do that though, I, I feel like, I feel like the risk of a, of one third of your failures um, kind of necessitates it being that much of an info dump, if that makes so sense. So here, here's, here's the rule Here's the rule change I was thinking. Instead of having it be success or failures, right, you cannot use sense motive until you've actually conversed with the person, right? And each time you get a tier of successes, which would happen twice, right? You know, you get your first three successes, then you get one, and then your next three successes. Um, then you can make a free sense motive check, right? If you pass, you either pick what their spread of numbers is for diplomacy, intimidate, uh, or what their receptive skills are. And there's no, and so you get one of those free checks and you, you, you incur no chance of failure. And there's, yeah, and there's no, it approximately immediately, right? Um, uh, but you can have anybody in the party do it, uh, you know, uh, kind of thing. So, um, but the idea is that you reveal that information kind of as the conversation goes on, which I like a little bit better. And I also like the idea that, like, you know, you hit three, but you've already racked up some failures um, because, you know, you've already racked up some failures because you haven't quite seen, you know, whatever. So you're like, all right, I want I want the receptive checks, right? Or, you know, you happen to kind of random into one of the receptive, right? Like, it was, it was you know, um, it probably wasn't all that obvious, uh, but... Uh, you know, if you had made some, if if this was a game where Kenzo is in it, right, and he hears the tag about Kexi liking food and everything like that, you know that 
receptive check is telegraphed and so if you hit that in your first three that you my point is right i like the idea that you can kind of mix and match your strategy and change up your tactics as the diplomacy check goes on rather than just kind of having the default opener being a sense of motive if that makes sense okay yeah no, so I, I think that makes sense the the, the things that kind of suggest along that lines is that um i i think the receptive checks are, are a cool idea but i do think that if like so i think like you know you know, maybe Kenzo food thing telegraphs to profession cooking hard enough that you can guess that. But like, so so kind of like the standard is that like, um, you know, you you uh like any other skill has a zero percent chance of success and will always result in the failure. And I think that like that makes it very hard to to kind of put your eggs in, in one basket. On kind of guessing that your that your uh, that your receptive skill check is is correct, instead of going with something you know at least has a chance of success, which would be diplomacy, bluff, or intimidate, um, if if that makes sense, right? Like if, if like, you know, if like let, let's say let's say you know, um, let's let's say Kexty really likes likes food, but you know this is all an excuse for him to get really drunk because he's like an alcoholic, and so he's interested in like profession brewer or like craft alchemy or something and not profession culinarian um and you know kenzo goes in there and makes that check for profession culinarian um i think accruing a failure because of that is a little bit like feels bad um and i think that um i think that kind of like having like a, a kind of a middle ground there where like you know like like you know he you know uh, Kenzo walks up and hibachi, like sets up a hibachi and chops some stuff up for Kexty and Kexty's like, oh, thanks. And like, he's not really impressed, but I don't think that, you know, like that would be enough to incur a failure type of deal. So, something like that where there's like a middle ground. Um, on the flip side, I think this is also an excellent opportunity for you to do something like you make that, you make that sense motive role and you tell us what we think the, uh, the, the like, you know, if we say we'd like the receptive skills, um, you can say X, Y, and Z. Uh, but you don't like you know we we're not sure that we made it so you might have given us three wrong ones, or something oh my like that. God, holy shit! Or you could do something like make it a pool, right? I give you five skills. Three of them are actual receptive skills. Two of them are not. Eh, that's probably that's punishing numbers. It, it'd be like three of them are, but one of them is an auto fail, right? One of them is a fugazi. Um, yeah. That that I could I could definitely see that be uh, a a more interesting version of this. I'm very torn uh, because on one hand I think getting too in the weeds on the mechanics. Uh, what I like about this system right now is that it it is mechanically driven and there's strategy to it. Um, so that like the numbers kind of matter and it's not just us talking about stuff. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of freedom to kind of roll around in how the conversation progresses and how you use, right? Like, and so part of me wants to add more systems to make more engaging systems, to make like a, a system framework that's better, right? But I think that almost always adds complexity to the, to the, uh, uh, to, to the, the conversation. And that kind of diminishes the creative side of this and at the same time if i just kind of leave it open-ended and say you can use any skill you want you just kind of have to tailor it to the conversation appropriately right that's kind of how you get things to go off the wall um in a weird way because like 
all of a sudden uh we're in you know we're in's best skill is survival check so now he's trying to like you know do you see what i'm saying like now he's trying yeah. to like weasel survival into it in some way and so what i like about the system right now is it feels kind of like elegant um right like and that that balance feels basically right to me and i'm and if there's any reason that i'm hesitant about going in and you know like with with a socket wrench and beating that system into uh, one form or another, it's that apprehension that stops me. Probably. Yeah. So, so I, I think the thing, I think the thing that you ultimately want to capture is right. Like, is if something like that naturally comes up, right? Like, you know, like, like Kexty expresses, you know, doubts about the ability to organize our rebellion su- successfully, mm-hmm. and and you know, where Cox pops up and is like, oh, I've got profession soldier. Can I use that? I think that's a fantastic use of that skill, right? I think that's the right way that that should go. I don't think that necessarily. I, I think that kind of, you know, putting it on a a uh, a set of uh, things that that that, that you know Kexty will always accept and always reject. And I, I think there's room for play with that too. But just to kind of finish out my point, mm-hmm. I think you're right though. The danger is that then, you know, uh, is that you you've got you've got a, a character like you like you said. Let's use your example with weird and survival. Who like tries to drive the conversation to surviving out in the wild? Like, if the conversation naturally goes there, I don't think that's a problem. But I think if you have characters trying to force it to game the skill points, it's a problem. Um, I don't know. I think that might be a thing where you've got to have like player GM trust, though, that 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 the players aren't just going to try and drive it off the wall for ridiculous for for for, for like the skill point advantages. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm actually feeling that a lot more now as I like actually design the real numbers for these um something that didn't exist for those first two uh uh was kind of the skilled unskilled gap but right now there's a big big gap between a Beauregard diplomacy check and a weird diplomacy check right because Beauregard has been putting all the points into it um and so it's kind of at a point where it's impossible, right? I don't even know that Weirden would have been able to hit those DCs with just a vanilla diplomacy check. Even I mean, when he even, had a quiet word, but sure, right? I'm, but I just mean in you know in, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the greater context of things. Um, I obviously have encouraged uh, I've, I've encouraged people to be keeping up with their social skills because I do think it's important for kind of everybody to participate, and I'm glad that everybody participated in this one in these diplomacy challenges. Uh, but I do wonder. Um, you know, because book three, you know, you guys are going to get pretty far up there. You know, you guys are going to... Oh, sh- Did you guys level? I think you... I don't think you told us we leveled, but we should... We're level f- We're level five right now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you leveled. I actually think you leveled at the end of the first... Well, whatever the case may be. But the point is, right, you know, like, as we're getting into book three, right, we're talking about ten levels, uh, ten ranks... Uh, in a skill like I can't design there's no DC that I can make that is fair essentially uh, for both Beauregard not to auto win every time um, and we're in uh, not to auto lose right um, yeah I, I think you, so you I kind really of si- how, I don't really know how, how I work with that moving forward I think you've kind of sidestepped that a little bit with the extra point for social skills yeah um I think that I think that at least keeps people partially involved. Um, I also feel like I don't know, like so. So, so to me, there's kind of like if you think about this in kind of in two sets, there's you've got your com like like this is kind of like social combat, and then you've got your regular combat. Um, and I think right. it's okay in a way for like 
for for some characters to take the back seat in each type of combat, right? Like obviously Beauregard's kind of the star of 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 social combat and the 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 um the kind of punch you know kicking bag punching bag in regular combat, right? He's utility doesn't do much and he kind of just like fills in little gaps where he can. I think the thing that's missing from the current social combat rules that you set out is kind of like those minor things to kind of fill in if that makes sense right like like you know i I don't even know how you do it but like you're just spitballing like you know maybe Rakox goes and talks to one of kexty's lieutenants and you know convinces them that they're they're good guys you know like oh those fucking talking heads over there right who needs them we should just beat people and they're like yeah I like the cut of your chip, you know, like that that type of thing. Interesting. Yeah. But I also think that's really hard to like. That's really hard. To, yeah. Well. Yeah. You know what's funny though is that I've actually been systemizing stuff like that a lot recently, um, but in in kind of uh, a different form of these investigations or whatever. Right. I like the idea, for instance. Um, uh, I li- I really like the idea that. You know, you have a limited amount of time, so you go talk to a couple of the followers that you know have met Kexi to just get a baseline of information, right? Three out of these five things, you get you get a little bit, uh, a little bit more information. And I can definitely see a world in where a world in which a full session is built out of kind of these miniature systems, right? Like maybe you kind of have to, you know, the, the, to use like a wow expression, like a tune to the to the diplomacy challenge right you can't get access to kexty until you can uh not necessarily like do diplomacy challenges but like you can work your way through the hierarchy a bit right um and that can take a couple of different you know like that can take a whole bunch of different forms depending on like the context of the situation i think that's probably like the right uh uh yeah the right approach I guess uh, another thing that the past that just kind of popped into my head is something like, like I don't know if this how this would flow, but like you could also do it in in a round sort of like like a traditional combat, like right. like you know you ask everybody what 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 they're doing, you put some limit on like you know like you can't have everybody like make an argument at Kexty, but like you know if if Rakax wants to like decides like oh my uh my uh you know my my action for the round, again, to use my, my, my uh, mercenary example, you know, Rakox walks over to, to the table of the, uh, uh, the the soldiers for Kexty and, you know, talks to them for a while. And, like, during, like, during whatever, like, the, the round is where Kexty talks, he, you know, a laugh arises from the table where, where Rakox and some of Kexty's soldiers are sitting. And, you know, and Beauregard mentions, seems like the, our men are getting well long enough or so, something like that. Right, like I, I think you you could do it like that, but I also, I feel like I feel like it's very hard to kind of like make that happen, or like the, the system, like because it's a weird confluence of organic ideas yeah. and uh, and systemization. And I also, and you know what, uh, I also think that rounds tunes people out. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, because you just wait for your round, and you, th- this is this is something that I find myself doing, to be honest. Right, like I I I this thing where. combat is going on i make my round i go read reddit for 10 minutes it cycles back to my round and i reorient myself right in like five or ten seconds kind of thing to what what happened while i was gone um and i feel like that's exactly what you know but it's even harder it's kind of easy to do that because you have the visual aid of just looking at the combat screen um uh but it's harder to do that 
um, when it comes to social stuff because like you just have to recap and you have to do that sort of everybody's turn right like this is what we just talked about this is what we just talked about yeah that's, yeah that's my that's what that's what frightens me about it i guess yeah no that that's absolutely fair um, i don't know i you know i don't think that there are a lot of good answers uh i don't think that there are a ton of good answers to this but maybe the know. answer is, is it's not that broken like like, I, I don't know how you feel, but I, I don't get, like, you know, so the, the major players in the dip- Diplomacy Challenge are usually Beauregard and Alaric, with Weirin, um, uh, Weirin, Marigrug, and Rakax kind of taking a back seat, um, but for a couple of moments. But I don't know that that's necessarily a problem. Like, I don't think that Weirin and Marigrug and Rakax feel slighted by that, and so long as that's the case, I don't think there's a problem. Um, does that make sense? Uh, yes. I don't think, I. you know, I, I don't know. I am a very, I like tweaking, obviously. Yeah. I'm a tinkerer, to use a term, uh, uh, from, from the league. <laughs> and so, uh, and so I, you know, and, uh, and I, I create a lot of these systems on the fly. Um, or I create, you know, like the, the diplomacy challenge systems is something I created more than a year ago, right? I think the first publication on that was in August of 2015. Um, so there's been a lot of time for that to to kind of go um, where I haven't had it at the forefront of my mind, but now it's kind of back. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I have uh, – I, I, I think the first thing I would want to do is change the way those sense motives checks work. I think the, the system that I outlined uh, is solid enough that I could make that change. I don't know. I'll have to think more about it. Maybe I'll ask the team. Uh, I'll ask the group. We'll see how they feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But speaking of RP and diplomacy and things, uh, I enjoy role-playing in MMOs. Who knew, right? Uh, that, you know, being a theater kid kind of thing. Um, and, and I uh, – <laughs> I, I have not really uh, done that. So uh, – this is going to serve as kind of an introduction for our viewers and or listeners rather. No one's watching us do this, but uh, for listeners, for for our listeners and for me, about how to get into RPing into in games like World of Warcraft. You know, and I, uh, I want to say a couple of things. I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer. Disclaimer number one: there are a lot of different philosophies about RP, right? Um, so I'm very interested because I've kind of never almost done this in like the kind of format that. We talked about it a little bit, which is just kind of like a little bit of like a question and answer, right? I will be the I will be the FAQ RP uh, the RP FAQ in real time for Mango, right? And I'm sure that there are going to be people who are listening to this. Um, well, I'm not sure because, uh, but I I hope that there will be people who are listening to this that you know hear some of my answers and disagree with them, right? And I'm gonna be I'm gonna do my best to kind of incorporate the other philosophies, I guess. Um, into into my answers just so that you can get a fuller uh understanding of how things go but be very aware that i have a certain set of biased opinions and i don't think that there is like it's kind of like a no right answers thing um so uh there are definitely people who are gonna have other other uh options uh i also want to just state as my like qualifications prerequisites um i first started rping ironically not in world of warcraft which is the game that i have rp'd most in uh but in city of heroes uh i was on i was on an rp server and i joined an rp guild with my best friend max 
and uh, we were RPing these villains or whatever. Um, and it was very minor stuff, right? Like you just go to a bar and everybody's in character and you're all just kind of like walking around talking in character because that's what a lot of RP is uh, to people who don't know. Like the more and more you get into it, I think people kind of just hunger for kind of like action and story to take place. Um, after that, I got involved. I, I joined an RP PvP server in World of Warcraft um, when I started playing again in college, in my sophomore year of college. I joined an RP guild and I just went right down the fucking rabbit hole and I just RP'd super hardcore. Uh, so I ran, I ran that, I ran a guild during Wrath for a while. Um, then I dropped. Then I came back during Mists, where I joined another a different RP guild and I became an RP officer for that guild. Uh, where I was running RP all the time, then I dropped, and then we came back again, um, and uh, and we joined an RP guild, did a whole bunch of RP, and now I am the RP officer of our guild, Sanctuary, on US Ravenhold Twisting Nether. Uh, so that's my background when it comes to when it comes to RP. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, those are my disclaimers. What are your what are you, hit me? What what are your questions? Yeah, so um, I I think. Kind of as, as an overview, like you know, obviously in 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 D and D uh, and and kind of in play by post RP, which is stuff I'm familiar with. Um, RP is kind of like part of the raison d'etre of what you're doing, right? Like RP in in a an MMO is kind of like a, a secondary system, right? Like um, you know, obviously some people treat it as as the the primary thing that they're doing, but like um, I think in most people's minds and kind of in 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 the way that you that you play the game that's second like the the rp stuff is secondary to like the the core progression um and i i think it'd be helpful to just kind of describe because because i know a little bit because we've talked you've talked about storylines and our current guild kind of uh does some stuff with with relics that i don't quite understand but if you could give an overview of like what kind of like this rp entails and maybe a little bit of what it doesn't if you think that's helpful Sure. So I think one of the first mistakes people uh, kind of make when approaching RP in a game like WoW is almost treating it a little bit too much like a tabletop, right? You you have to divorce yourself of a lot of assumptions that go into tabletop RP, I think, into like figuring out like WoW RP. Um, the, the central premise is that your character, right, is a character in the world, right? Uh, this doesn't have to be World of Warcraft, but I'm obviously going to use it as an example, right? Uh, my main Bairn is just a... He is a Tauren warrior that lives in the World of Warcraft, right? He has a backstory that is rooted in World of Warcraft lore, and that informs, you know, his personality and his perspectives on politics, right? Bairn... It's not a member of the Horde, right? He's a Grim Totem Tauren that has been exiled from the Horde. And so he thinks what Sylvanas is doing that we talked about, you know, in our Legion, our multiple uh, Legion episodes, he thinks that is unconscionable, right? Um, and you have to divorce yourself a little bit from that, right? Like, you do this, and this is a tabletop thing that you do all the time, obviously, where, you know, Baron's opinions on politics of the Warcraft universe are pretty different than mine because he's he is a different character than I am kind of thing. Um, uh, but, you know, so, so Baron lives in this world, but so do all of these other people, right? And there's no GM. Um, there is sometimes players will temporarily assume kind of a GM role and direct, uh, like, you know, really dictate out a storyline. But in a lot of situations, things are just, you know, it, it's, it's more like improv than it is like, um, 
you know, uh, a bunch of characters moving through, uh, you know, like moving through a story, right? There's a version of, there's a version of like a D&D game that looks a lot like Lord of the Rings kind of thing. It's very hard to get that appearance when it comes to WoW because things are wide and nebulous. They look a lot more like something like... I don't have a good. I don't even have a good example for this. Um, I like to bring RP down into two categories, right? There's storyline RP, and then there's what's called campfire RP. Campfire RP is, uh, or tavern RP is also is also it's just everybody is sitting in a tavern. Nothing especially is going on from like a plot perspective, right? And it's just here are a bunch of characters talk to the other characters, kind of thing. Um, that this tends to be most people's kind of like entrance into into RP, right? Like you just kind of stumble across it, say a few things, right? Ask some people some questions about their backstory. This is a lot of the time where people just go into big explanations of who their character is and why they feel that way. Sometimes you get into arguments, right? You know, Baron walks into a thing and says Sylvanas is a piece of shit, and then you know some forsaken character gets up in his face about it, that kind of stuff. Um, but like you kind of walk into and walk out of campfire rp and tavern rp at in the same spot right you haven't really moved or grown or changed or anything like that storyline rp is very plot driven right it's where uh you know there are goals to accomplish and motivations and all of this kind of stuff um and uh it's harder to get into because it tends to be more continuity relevant right you kind of have to show you, you can just walk in or walk out of tavern rp but you have to show up uh, in in some kind of consistent way for storyline RP to work, you kind of can't like show up, like like drop in drop out of storyline RP as easily. Um, I don't know. Does that distinction make sense? I I know I've we've referenced this before. Um, yeah, so. it, like the the, the storyline RP is like you know is is if I'm correct, you're you're essentially telling a story with your characters, but like you said, it's kind of like improv, so it's kind of like yes and component to it from what i've seen yeah uh like you know like your person dictates kind of what happens and the other person is expected to um accept what they say is, is generally true and vice versa um but it, it that, that stuff's all about like you, you want to give an example of of, of kind of like a storyline you're you're doing at the moment or in the past or something so so that people uh, so a good yeah so so a good storyline uh that i did with baron Grim Totem Warrior, exiled from the Horde. Uh, so, you know, so Baron and Kexty, Mark, uh, Mark's characters are our friends. Um, and Kexty basically, you know, some stuff happened, right? Storyline RP is very continuity heavy, so I'm not going to get too much in the details. But some stuff happened. Um, and uh, and Kexty goes, listen, you need to go back to your home village, right? That I know you haven't been to in years and years. Uh, in order to kind of accomplish this thing that we're all looking to accomplish together. Baron goes, okay. Uh, so he headed back to his village. This village is called Ash Totem Village. It doesn't exist in game, but I kind of, you know, you, a lot of the time in RP you invent lore like that. Um, so he goes to Ash Totem Village um, and finds his half-brother, who's now the chieftain of the village, is trying to, is convinced, has convinced the warriors of the village to drink demon blood the way that the orcs did. Um, in order to power them up because the, you know, the chieftain, the half-brother wants the Torin to, uh, the Grim Totem Torin to, you know, reclaim their glory, essentially, after their defeat in, in Lorien Cataclysm. The brother tries to convince Baron, and it's like, hey, listen, 
do you want to do you want to drink do you want to be part of this kind of thing and i had a, i had you know and i really debated this because i kind of thought it was super in character for him to say yes um whether or not Baron was going to say yes or no to that kind of question. Uh, he eventually said no, went back to the guild, rallied everyone, right? Um, and there was a big raid on Ash Totem Village where uh, we basically slaughtered all of the, the Torin who had drank the, the, you know, the, the poison, right? Like, they drank the Kool-Aid. Um, Baron kills his half-brother in single combat, and then a Dreadlord pops out. Uh, and is like, ho ho, I was the one who was orchestrating this all the time, right? This is kind of like the reason that he was sent to the village in the first place. Baron then kills the Dreadlord in kind of single combat. The whole team was there, but, uh, Baron gets the killing blow. It's like his big moment. Um, and so, and, uh, and so the day is saved, right? The village, the village is now, the village is now safe. Um, that, that was, that was an arc, you know, like that was an arc for Baron, right? Where he had to kind of come to terms with what, I, I, I like to get I like to get high minded about like these kind of themings and like changing and everything. And I knew from the get go that this arc was going to be about asking that question of, you know, what 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 how do you view your tribe the Grim Totem, right? You were willing to, you know, to be prideful and uh and accept exile when the when the Grim Totem coup fails, um, but you were also too ashamed to return to the tribe because the, the the coup had failed, right? Teasing out that ambivalence and and having him kind of commit one side to, or to, to kind of one side or another uh, and deciding that, you know what, um, this is obviously a terrible thing. You know, the, the glory of our tribe is not worth selling, selling out our freedom, right? I'm going to liberate my people kind of thing, right? Uh, there's a version of Baron who walks away entirely, right? There's a version of Baron who just, you know, he lets his self-loathing uh, for, you know, for like the Grim Totem and the Grim and that shame overwhelm him and they slaughter the whole village. There's a version of Baron that agrees, drinks this Kool-Aid and becomes a villain for future storyline RP, right? Um, and it was up to me to kind of make the right choice for my character given that kind of context of events. All right. No, that, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to ask you a couple of questions, kind of like tying into those things, because I think it'll kind of help illuminate some of this process. Sure. Um, you said you killed your half brother in King, or Baron killed his half brother in single combat, and yep. Baron also killed his Dreadlord in, in single or in, in combat. Um, how does that play out? Like, is there a mechanics component to it? Does There's. Uh, there's a couple of different ways that this plays out, actually, kind of depending on your opinions. I am a big fan of, so I'm going to start with this. I'm a big fan of RP fighting, right? RP fighting is essentially, um, typically, you, you can do it in one way, you can do it in a couple of different ways, but the, the essentials of RP fighting is that it's, there's nothing mechanical about it, right? It's the same thing as normal RP, which is generally you walk up to another player in slash S, you say the words you say in slash yell, you yell the words you yell in slash E, you emote the actions that you emote. RP fighting is just emotes back and forth of I make a swing, you make a swing, I take a hit, you take a hit kind of thing, right? Um, sometimes it is... Uh, improv, right? Sometimes two people walk into a fight, and depending on the over the course of that fight, you kind of decide the winner and loser based on you know based on that stuff. Sometimes the winner and loser is telegraphed, right? I knew there was no doubt in my mind that Baron was going to kill Morn and Baron was going to kill the Dreadlord. 
uh, during that, like during that set of RP, right? Like sometimes you say, and this is the part where you know, sometimes you tell the principal actors, right? And this is the part where the villain dies, and you RP through the whole fight with a with a destination, uh, with that kind of like vague destination in in you know in front of you somewhere. Um, sometimes it's systemized. Um, uh, Mark was the one who was kind of coordinating the combat, and this one was a little bit systemized of you know, there were, it was like, you're, you know, if your character quote unquote takes a hit, which could just look like anything, they're wounded. And if they take another one, then they're out, then they're like down for the count. You can, healers can heal off a wound, right? That kind of thing. Um, you can, uh, if you like describe yourself using a cooldown or using a move, right? You can link the move in the chat that, you know, all of this other kind of stuff, right? Okay. The boss has a certain number of wounds. Um, so that's, you know, that's the, that's the first system. That's the system I use a lot. So, so, so it's nothing like you go find a dreadlord out in the world and you kill him and be like, that's the one I killed with. Right, like right, right. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, another system, which is the default system, theoretically of the community. Th 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 this is another principle. A lot of RP rules are set by the community, right? As a whole, we as a community agree to a certain set of expectations just so that people aren't really like thrown for a loop. Um, I have a certain set of expectations that I've had to change, even though by being on Ravenholt. Um, sometimes, the you know, if you fight another character, that duel is, that's a duel, right? You challenge the person to a duel, you fight it out mechanically, uh, you don't emote or anything or over the course of it. Whoever wins the duel wins the fight. Oh, you mean like you it's a slash duel slash uh, duel? Yeah, like a slash wow. duel duel, right? Um, and whoever wins, you know, wins the fight, uh, uh, wins the duel. And so you kind of like stop RP, have the duel, resume RP once the winner has been decided on. Um, I personally hate the system. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, I, you know, uh, I like to divorce one of my big principles is I like to divorce mechanics and what I am doing and what I do do in game from my RP as much as possible. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense, right? Like if you wanted Baron to be this big mighty warrior, but let's say you didn't have a ton of time to play, so you're only eye level 780. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yep. and like, you know, the, the you don't want to get beat up by the guy who's kind of like, a nerd weakling, but he just he in in his regular play of the game, he's got more time. That makes sense. Yeah, and also uh, you get into some situ weird situations sometimes. Um, if I create a character, and I do this actually fairly commonly, right? Like I'll create a character to be a villain or to be a bit player or to be you know like the villain's lieutenant. I'll level him up to twenty or thirty, right, just so that he can move around the map a little bit. Um, but I'm not going to level him all the way up, right? He's going to fight the he's going to fight the guys die, right? Um, uh, and then I delete the, and, you know, I delete the character, kind of no sweat sort of thing. But unfortunately, um, if I do that in the context of duels, I always lose no matter what. And it's not even interesting. You know what I mean? Like there's no kind of ups and downs to it. Uh, you just, you just get one shot at the very beginning of the duel by a heroic throw, right? Like a, by a white auto attack kind of thing. Uh, another problem is that, um, uh, you know, so for instance, this is true of Baron, um, but m my previous main before Baron was Tonric, right? Tonric wasn't very good in fights, right? Uh, I tend to rate my characters in fights, you know, as bad, good, or, you know, like bad, average, or good, essentially, right? Um, if we were to put that on like a scale of one to kind of whatever number, I always think of it as eight, 
10 and 12, right? Uh, Baron is a very, very good fighter, right? Baron is a 12, but Tonric is kind of a 10. He's not good in fights. He loses fights a lot just because, like, you know, he's not he's not a super good fighter, right? Tonric is a good tactician. He's good at leading people in fights, but he's not actually good at kind of going hand-to-hand -hand himself. Gondor is an 8. Gondor is actually awful at fights. He's a very powerful spellcaster, spell right? He's an extremely powerful warlock, but not in the context of, you know a dude bearing down on his face getting stabbed all the time, right? Gondor's the kind of person who can, you know, cast very powerful rituals, right? For instance, that, that sort of thing. Um, and if you do RP duels, that sort of thing gets lost because now all of a sudden, Tonric is fighting like a 12 or Gondor is fighting like a 12 when he should be like an 8. Do I throw the duel? That seems weird, right? You know, or, you know, Baron, who should be fighting like a 12, is fighting like a 10 because... I haven't, you know, I don't grind out PvP gear, right? Um, so those are some of the pitfalls, those are some of the problems, but uh, it is definitely fair, and it is also one of those things where, you know, it, it's, a, it's a pretty fair way to decide a duel to a certain extent. Um, Without having to result to kind of like... Right. Like uh, author or... or author the, the, you know, if you don't trust the people that you're RPing with... Uh, RP fights are impossible because you can't kind of come to the mutual agreement of who wins. Yeah, you can kind loses. of get the Calvin Ball problem. You, yeah, you get a Calvin Ball problem. You get people who get salty because uh, they don't ever want to lose. And so the duel just goes on forever and ever because neither side wants to admit defeat and be humiliated kind of thing. Um, if you're playing with people who, you know, like good RPers, I'll just say this, good RPers are willing to accept that defeat, right? They can decouple that, like, it's easy to get, like, personally invested in your characters, right? And be, you know, personally embarrassed when they lose in an RP duel. But if you're actually viewing it as a character in a story that you are writing, it's easier to kind of put those characters through the ropes, right? I like it when stuff gets hard for Baron because it makes his stories more interesting when I look at it from, like, a writerly perspective. But when I look at it as you know baron is an avatar of me in the game right then i'm taking it personally when i'm when i'm losing a fight does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely the third way i want to mention is roles uh this is a way that gets used um when you kind of want to blend the two a little bit um where you want to be super fair but you don't necessarily know who you're fighting against um and you don't uh, uh and you want like some fairness to kind of fall back on right like if you don't trust the other person to be like essentially good about it um and that that works a couple of different ways sometimes you roll in the beginning of the fight to know who wins and who loses and you play out everything in between right um sometimes you roll ever ever after every action right i have an action you have an action we both roll um, and whoever wins their action kind of trumps mine, so to speak. That includes a lot of language that, like, Baron swings at blank, um, or, you know, Baron attempts to dodge, right? And then you roll to see whether or not that actually goes off, essentially. Um, I also don't like that system uh, just because it gets very bogged down in the rolls. Uh, and to be honest with you, I hate when RNG screws me out of a bad, uh, out of good story or bad story. Right, a version, a version of the events at the Grim Totem Village where Baron's RNG is awful, and so he loses the fight. Right with with Morn or like he keeps missing he keeps whiffing and even though we know that Morn is going to end at the dine of the Morn being the half brother by the way sorry to mention that even though we know that Morn is going to die at the end of this 
right? It's being prolonged just by the RNG, right? That's kind of the downfall of this system. But again, it is it is fair, right? So you can always resort to that. If you walk into a tavern, right, with some people you've never met before in your life and get into a tavern fight, hey man, rolls are a great way to let that go without, um, because, you know, obviously you don't even know these people, right? That sort of thing. Uh, that's interesting, because I honestly, this sounds kind of like, a little bit of a reflection of your view on on jamming that we've talked about before, because um, it, it would seem to me that like you could also use the role, like if if you so desired for it to be a little bit more more random, a little bit less dictated, um, you could use those roles to be like you do lose to mourn, and that's kind of like the consequence of that of of that fight. Um, but it sounds like the, the typical thing is is that these are less kind of like. This is less RP, like this is less like D and D, where where like a certain amount of failure is expected, in some ways, um, right? And more more like telling telling a story, like telling like writing a a, a screenplay or like or acting out a, a, a almost like a movie, um, and, and less focus on 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 anything. It's kind of like if you if you you know, it's a little bit like forum RP, like play by post. Okay. Um, if you combine that with like. Twitter, right? Like, okay. um, where, you know, you have to be kind of like timely. And all By the way, this is all for in-game RP. Something that has happened, which has dramatically shifted my RP landscape is that, uh, we have really, really adopted discord RP discord. Obviously it, you know, it's like a, it's like a chat program, like a voice program, but it also allows you to create text channels. And so the sanctuary discord, you know, we have an out of character chat, which is kind of like whatever. Right. Um, but you know, Hearthstone, the Dalaran Garden, the Dalaran Library, the Dalaran Foyer, right? These are locations that you go into in character um, and you kind of write out posts. And so uh, I'm not super, I guess, up on uh, on how other, uh, you know, how other guilds or other people, but almost all of our guild ha RP happens in Discord now because, one, it, there's, a, there's actually a bunch of benefits. One, um, uh, you can do it from anywhere, right? You don't need to be at your computer, sitting at your computer in order to do it. Two, you can do something else at the same time. It's very effective, especially with all of the content that Legion has, for me to be just flying around doing my world quests at my leisure, right, while I have Discord open on the other th on the other thing. And when somebody makes a post, I can, you know, go AFK for two or three minutes, write up my next post, and go back to the game. Um, you can't do that in in-person RP, obviously, because... Uh, uh, you know, uh, there's an expectation that, you know, you sit down and you let you give people the time they need to, like, get their posts out kind of thing. Also, it, it archives things, right? Um, I read a lot of RP that I'm not even involved with just because, you know, I can see all of the different channels. And so I can see two, two you know, two players, two characters that I'm familiar with just, like, talk it out. In, in game, I don't see that RP um, unless I'm, like, sitting there in the moment with them. Um, which can actually be a big problem, especially with like huge ensemble storytelling um, in storyline RP, because if someone's not there, then they have to have like, you know, the events of what happened kind of dictated to them, which creates these weird instances of telephone, right? Because an event happens with between player A, B, and C, player D wasn't there, right? So player C goes and tells player D what happened, um, player D doesn't quite get the full story, makes a misunderstanding, right, and attacks player A. But if you're someone who's seen all of these events, that those events don't quite line up logically, if that makes sense. Um, 
Right. So, right. so you know, like, so th- th- these, so th- these are the benefits of Discord. Um, Discord obviously has some downsides. It's pri- it's more private. You can't just like walk up to somebody in you know a Discord server. You obviously have to be kind of invited uh, or whatever. And also, like, the time between posts can get really rough. Um, this happens to me sometimes where like. I'm posting, you know, like my lunch break happens and I'm posting every five minutes. Um, but then I have to go back to work and I'm, and I'm working for an hour and a half until like I take a break or whatever. Well, that hour and a half goes by. If I'm RPing with four other people, they don't necessarily have the same time constraints. And so the RP can kind of move past you, uh, which can be frustrating. There, there, you know, there's, there's, there's goods and bads to it, but yeah. Okay. Interesting. Or you kind of roll it back a little bit. Um, you also said that you you invented the the ash totems as a tribe, um, or, or as like a village that is not part of the official lore sure, and yep. canon. Um, what's kind of like the etiquette on the limits of that, right? Like, like it's hard. I have to say it's 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 hard. Um, the term is lore breaking, right? There's lore breaking, uh, and then the term that I like uh, to me, there's kind of like you are in lore. Um, which is where, you know, what's a good version of in lore? Um, so in lore, Theramore er, Th- gets blown up, right? Gets, gets annihilated. Right before the annihilation happens, right? Ronin comes down, right? Ronin the mage or whatever. He opens up a portal and he sends a bunch of civilians through, right? An example of an event that happens that is in lore is I am... Tonric in this instance, right? I am Tonric the warrior, right? And I am a civilian in this instance. And so I am one of the people that moves through this portal, right? That's a version of where you are inserting yourself kind of into the natural flow of otherwise game lore. Lore bending, um, which is uh, what kind of what Ash Totem is. Lore bending is when you, you extrapolate out things and you kind of fill in the blanks that the lore hasn't otherwise defined for you so um the reason that the reason that this exists right is there's actually not a lot of Torin lore before um the uh the orcs arrive on kalimdor in warcraft 3 right there's not a lot of lore for what the Torin were doing at that time it's it's very vaguely kind of talked about as they were kicked out of their homeland by the centaur um and they were nomads for a while right but the specifics right of what that looks like of what life uh uh for the for the Torin look like looked like um aren't aren't well defined Baron's backstory basically uses the lore that is, you know, there's a lot of lore about this that establishes what the Grim Totem tribe is like, right? The Grim Totem tribe, um, you know, it's it's a very Machiavellian tribe run by Magatha Grim Totem. She's trying to lead all, you know, she's trying to lead all of the uh, all of the Torn entirely. She, the, the Grim Totem, are really racist against other races, and they think other races are are shitty, right? Kind of thing. I can extrapolate down from. Okay, this is what the the Grim Totem Torin look like. Two, what do the Grim Totem Torin look like for Baron's adolescence, where he is a nomad, right, uh, running around before the Third War? There isn't there isn't any lore there for me to use, so I'm going to create some, right? Um, that's that's kind of an example of like me creating, you know, like me creating some lore. It's within the confines of lore in the sense that nothing, you know, n- nothing says that's not possible or that's wrong, right? 
Um, but it is, um, it is, uh, it is created, right? Like it's something that we created as players. Um, and there's a lot of different versions of this. Like, I think a lot of lore gets kind of just like created. Um, sometimes it's called like server lore. Sometimes it's called like guild lore, uh, for like the, you know, the lore of the guild kind of thing. Then there's lore breaking, which is like the bad version of this, right? Um, let's say in lore, what's something that is impossible? trying to think of like a really good example of lore breaking i'm sorry um in lore well man you, you can use something really obvious right like let me let me take a stab at this what like in lore um fucking uh the oh i actually have a good one okay go I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of, like, an actual event that has happened so that I can, like, directly reference it. Okay, cool. In lore, um, druids were definitionally male, um, right? Like, so in, in, like, in night elf culture, druids, only men can be druids um, and only women can be sentinels. And only after the Third War and the night elves join the alliance do those gender boundaries come down. Right. So if I'm a female night elf, right, and I'm 5,000 years old and I say that, you know, I, I, you know, I immediately got whisked up and trained to be a druid. Um, I'm, I, I, you know, uh, you know, 5,000 years ago, I'm lore breaking because the lore of the game says that that's not possible, that that didn't happen. Right. Um, and, and so and, th and so that's a version of a version of events that breaks the lore and is like explicitly not allowed um sometimes you can fudge that right you can make exceptions to the lore to, to kind of like justify yourself right like um uh for instance something like oh this is actually part of sanctuary's lore right so um during during over the course of warlords sanctuary bought a bought a piece of property in dalaran right but Lore says the Horde was entirely banned from Dalaran, right? Because they got banned during Mists, and obviously Warlords is during, you know, is still during that ban because that ban comes down at the beginning of Legion, right? So technically, on that on its face, that sounds like it's lore breaking. But we were aware of that, like we're aware of those kinds of situations. And so we also created some supplemental lore that explains why we are the exception to that other why, you know, to, to, to that rule. This is something that, this is where lore gets really contentious with people. Because when you make exceptions like, like that for yourself, um, it, you know, it's, it's a very slippery slope, right? Like, where do you stop? What are okay exceptions that make sense? What are shitty exceptions that are terrible? Another version of this um, could look like, you know, we bought a whole district in Dalaran, right? The Sun Reaver district was purchased by Sanctuary through, you know, third parties and Jaina, you know, Jaina Proudmore didn't realize that she, she, you know, sold a whole district of, of a city to, to the Horde, right? That to me is crossing a line, even though it's just an extra, you know, it, it's just kind of like a more extreme version of it. And where that line gets drawn is really tough to, to get into. But so, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's it. Okay. Um, what about, th like, is there, is there a protocol for, say, like, let's say, you know, 
there are so many playable races in the game. Let's say I wanted mm-hmm. to play one of like I wanted to play like a Grummel. Let's say, is is like that is is that kosher? Is that a faux pas? Is like you know, you, you roll a different class and say I'm actually a Grummel. Is that is that is that frowned upon? Um, in the same way that there's kind of rule zero that says you know the you know that anything is legal if the GM wants it to be legal in like a D and D game. There's also kind of like a rule zero to RP, which is that if the people that you are RPing with are okay with this thing, then sure, right to a certain extent. Um, and that that also applies to some of this lore breaking stuff, right? Like if you know you can you can have some incredibly weird off scenario, right? You can be you know a female a female druid from five thousand years ago. Um, as long as the people that you RP with don't don't start a thing about it, like right, like don't raise a fuss. You can be, um, uh, uh, well, whatever the case may be. Um, so 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 that 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 sounds reasonable, but um, kind of you talk about this this happening at like a server wide level, right? Like, is is that just like a server by server thing? You try and get a, a taste for what the level is yeah, on certain, that server. Yeah, certain so yeah, certain servers have different expectations than others. I've been on servers um, that expect, for instance, you know. Um, in the context of races, right, it's very just. It's honestly just hard to do anything that's not one of the playable races because it's basically impossible to sust- RP takes a while, right? It takes time. So even if you have something right like the feather that turns you into an Arakoa, it's very difficult to RP as an Arakoa because that toy will wear off, and it's like an immersion breaking thing. You know right. what I mean? Like maybe you could find some people who are willing to do it, but it's just kind of like a pain, right? Uh, but what you get into instances of is kind of where like sub races. And all that other kind of stuff, like, moves into it. Like, for instance, with the High Mountain Tauren that have been introduced. Um, there are not Tauren models for High Mountain Tauren, right? Those horns aren't something that I can have. But I can kind of call myself a High Mountain Tauren and just hope to got, you know, and right, like, and just hope that you're willing to buy that sort of thing. A more extreme example might be, uh, right, like, a race, uh, like, a related race. That uses a different model, though, like the Tonka. Like, if I wanted to be a Tonka or a Yongle, for instance, um, you kind of have to, you know, you kind of have to, like, earn some trust, I want to say, in order to, like, make that stuff work. Uh, sometimes it's easy, right? It's easy for me to RP being a wild hammer Dwarf. Um, all of the playable Dwarves are Ironforged Dwarves, right? Um, but I can just kind of fudge it and pretend that I'm that I'm a wild hammer dwarf because at the end of the day they look basically the same, right? It's not a you know like it's not a big deal. Nobody's gonna get nobody's gonna get mad about that, right? Like all of the humans are stormwind humans, but if I want to play a Lord Iranian human, nobody's gonna bat an eye because all humans look you know th- th- look the same. Um, but you do get into some kind of weird instances where uh, you know. Somebody wants to play something, right? Like, if I want to play a Dark Iron Dwarf, but I can't get the Dark Iron Dwarf skin tone, right? You're, right. I'm, I'm asking you to fudge it on my behalf right. a little okay. bit. But generally speaking, uh, generally speaking, people are good about that uh, sort of thing. Um, also, you know, like, the, the, you know, the, the, this is like Baron, right? There's an expectation that because I'm on Horde side, right, that Baron is a member of the Horde or whatever, but he's not, right? It's explicitly – it's a big part of his character, actually, that he – has chosen not to be a citizen of the horde, essentially, um, and so there's that kind of stuff, right? If you're a better example of this, might be like a Pandaren, right? If you're a Pandaren, you can be either, you know, Tushui or Huojin or whatever. Um, but one of the Pandaren that I RP, who is a he, he's a monk who lived in Pandaria, not on the Wandering Isle, right? And he's a Shadow Pan, uh, you know, he's he, he works for the Shadow Pan, right? That that sort of thing. 
right? The Pandaren models are all the same, obviously. It's the same Pandaren that are on the Wandering Isle as are on, uh, as are on Pandaria, uh, but I'm not, you know, he's not Huojin or, or Tushui, um, because it wouldn't make any sense for him to be either of those two in the context of kind of, right, like the, like the lore and the backstory of the game. Um, okay, so let's, so, so you've laid out these kind of like rules and expectations, like, what, what happened, let's say like, let's say somebody comes in with a character and he's like, you know, I'm like, you know, you know, little did you know that when the bombing of Theramore happened, Ronin was actually knocked unconscious by a piece of falling debris, and I actually opened the portal, but Ronin gets all the credit, you know, something something like out, outlandish um i believe the term that you've used in the past <laughs> is, is god modding um right so something something that's that's kind of like obviously bad like you know it's clearly i'm just trying to paint something that's clearly bad without trying to get into like the nitty-gritty right. um what how do you deal with that as like as, as like how does the community deal with that right like you is like do people like say like no you're wrong like um, on an individual basis, it tends to get shot down, but on a group basis, it is more, uh, kind of, it's something that's fine, if that makes sense. Um, an example of this that is, uh, let me think of an example of this that's, like, bad. Uh, so that Ronin example is bad. You know, if I'm the guy that says, I was, I was the, the person, right, who drove the sword into Illidan's neck and killed him, right? Right. That happened. Somebody did that. It is not clear who did that. Theoretically, right, like, that's lore-bending for, to, to, for me to put myself in that situation. Um, but th the reason that's kind of, like, godbotting um, is because there's an expectation that what happens in-game, right, like, we are not, you know, like, we are not the people who are doing... Uh, you know, like, who, who are, like, the big, big movers and shakers, right? Like, we're not the big damn heroes that are saving Azeroth every five minutes as, like, if you were to follow all of the quest texts, right? If I made my care, if I made Bairn the guy who did all of the quests ever in World of Warcraft from day one to, you know, every single Legion quest or whatever, I will have saved Azeroth, like, a million times over, right? Um, but but there's, a, there's an expectation that that is left blank it's like you know the the, the there were some people for instance um that raided black temple and there was some guy that killed illidan but you are not that guy right uh it is a really it is a big faux pas it is like a big fuck up to say that like you are like the person that does that um but you can't kind of fudge it right uh so something that we do for instance with sanctuary <clears throat> is we raid the emerald nightmare in character right um but the the kind of justification for that is it's not like we're running in there and then we kill Nithendra and then we move on and we kill Ursak and then we move on and we free Cenarius and then we move on and we down Xavius. Yay, Sanctuary killed Xavius, right? The RP for that is, um, you know, uh, there needs to be a certain, you know, like shit is flowing out of the nightmare constantly, right? And so, uh, ev and so people need to go in there to essentially just kind of kill trash for a bit. And Sanctuary is a group that has agreed to just kill tr trash, right? They have a two-hour shift twice a week of killing trash, right, over and over. Um, uh, 
uh, in the Emerald Nightmare. So that like it kind of allows us to get away with the fact that like yes, the, we raid twice a week and we have an you know we have a raid officer in character in the guild, but without kind of a presuming too much about ourselves, if that makes sense. Um, so so let's let's say you know is this kind of like to build on this example, right? Like let's say um, you know uh, Ilganoth, right? That, that's a boss in the Emerald Nightmare. Um, at some point, it will have moved into the canon that 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 thing was killed, right? Right. Is it a faux pas to be like like you know? Is it assumed that like the mechanics of that fight accurately represent what happened, right? Like there were you know ten to twenty people that were there that that killed it. Is it a faux pas to be like you know Sanctuary did their part and they slashed at those tentacles or whatever? Like like having been involved in that fight. Um, I a lot of the time vagueness is is what is cautioned uh i guess about this stuff right like you want to be as vague as possible uh and so like boiling down into the specifics of well what trash specifically does sanctuary go and kill right like you know what do those shifts look like who fills out the rest of those shifts is it alliance and horde working together do the horde just you know control the entrance and there's pvp outside all the time right like we don't really ask those okay. questions yeah. we just kind of let that uh let that that stuff go um to be honest i want to you know to to i did a bad job of answering your previous question so i just want to like round this out by saying Whenever RP happens, that's something you don't agree with, right, or want to deal with. Um, RP is a very passive aggressive, and it's and it is less. I I'm gonna get in your face. Hey, change your stupid shitty RP, <laughs> right? Uh, and more. I am just going to ignore it and pretend that that's not the case. And you know what I mean. And if you're a worthwhile player, and this I like this character, and I want to keep RPing with this character, so be it, right? I'm just gonna politely never ever reference right this 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 aspect that bothers me or whatever. Um, uh, and and like and so to a certain extent, kind of every RPer has their own little like headcanon. because a lot of little stuff gets like retconned out. Uh, an example of this, for instance, is I have a warlock, right, Gonder, um, and uh, another one of the the characters in our guilds. Uh, plays a warlock uh her warlock is named ninora she has a certain set of lore like kind of created lore for how health stones work right and i have a certain set of lore for how health stones work right because gondor has used health stones and the way gondor uses health stone is he conjures this stone right you smash it against the hard surface when it cracks open right the the health magic flows flows through you right um ninora's lore is you literally eat them like you just you you eat them like food or whatever obviously those two pieces of lore you know that they cannot exist they're, they're both casting the same spell essentially um so i just kind of i like our, i like our ping with this warlock a lot right like i appear with her all the time uh but we just don't talk about right health stones and and there's a ton more examples of how this kind of stuff works right like how mounts work how hearthstones work right all of these all of these other kinds of things that are just kind of politely ignored right because you, we don't have to get too bogged down in the details in order to uh in order to get you know what we want to accomplish done and what we want to accomplish is generally speaking big you know like our characters accomplishing a goal right or even you know in a campfire setting right my character just meeting your character for the first time that kind of thing does that make sense yeah okay okay so so this is kind of like on, on along the lines of the maybe maybe emerald nightmare is a little bit too current um because and, and that that's guy i what i assume would be its own tensions with it but like 
if like let, let's say let's say I wanted to say like you know during the uh, the Wrath of the Lich King timeline, you know when when the the forces of the Alliance and the Horde were retaking Ice Crown Citadel, there was you know like like some some group that took down say Professor Putricide, right? Like right. Um, and like is is it wrong to say like that you know not necessarily that you were the guy, but like that you were there, right? Like that like you know like. I was I, like, there was a group there, and I was there. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just like our guild, but like I, I was present for those events, and I was kind of like in the room when that fight happened. Is is, is that is that considered too far? Is that considered too far? A little bit, okay. but not for the reason you might ex- you might think. Um, the reason that that's a little bit too far is because it begs questions of un, like un, unanswerable questions uh, a little bit too much, right? If I'm in the room when Professor Putricide goes down, right, it means I I know the people that killed him, and okay. that information has to be purposefully vague, right, so that nobody. It, it's kind of one of those things where like. If one person lays claim to that, it means everyone else is excluded from having done that, right? So everyone has to mutually not lay claim to it in order to be fair with everyone else. Does that make sense? Like it's a fairness kind of thing? Um, Okay. And so if you put yourself into a situation where you know, you know, even like even kind of like in that tangential-ish way, right? Like where you know what went down specifically in the Professor Putricide room – it's you are you are putting yourself closer to that unfairness principle and like that inf- that information has to stay vague no matter what you can't even I, I like I don't even like the idea um, and this has been actually this was suggested during Wrath of the Lich King uh, for a variety of reasons but where the idea was that a bunch of NPCs would be created and kind of adopted as server lore and I argued vehemently against this idea and I eventually won this argument we did not implement these NPCs or whatever Um but uh, but the idea was that you know like yes I want to interact with the people who kind of killed this uh, you know who, who who killed who killed the Lich King specifically so let's you know let's create a mock group of ten characters that we all kind of can use and have access to um, and uh, and I said no to that I said I was I was meaning I was a, I was a I was an elitist I was a judgmental RPer <laughs> and I poo pooed that idea so our so, so just just to be clear, the string of things you just said. Do you think you were wrong in that instance? No, I think I was right okay. in that instance. Um, I think uh, you know. So, I think even defining them is ownership. Okay. Right? The person who create, let, let's say, you know, a regular raid group, two, you know, two tanks, three healers, five DPS. Right. The person who creates one of those tanks now is. By proxy, right? Like, he's not actually RPing this character, but he, quote-unquote, controls that NPC. And really, at the end of the day, what's the difference between you, quote-unquote, controlling an NPC and you, quote-unquote, controlling your PC, right? Like, right. it's not all that much, right? So it has to be it has to be vague so that no one has any claim, uh, it, which, which, is my, which is my, like, argument. That's, like, my perspective okay. when it comes down to this stuff. Um, at the same time, though... Um, uh, you know, rule zero applies here. Uh, an RP guild on San- on sorry on Ravenholt, for instance, um, took credit for downing Manoroth in um, the 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 Hellfire Citadel uh, raid. It was extremely related to they they had a huge huge storyline, um, so it was kind of um, uh, 
uh, well, I'll get into that in a second, but they had this really big storyline kind of supporting it. And then the pinnacle of that storyline was, you know, they fight the bones of Manoroth. It's not like they did the rest of the raid, right? Uh, but they did go and they fought, you know, they fought like the reanimated bones of Manoroth in order to close out the storyline. That was like the climax of that storyline. And that is basically accepted as you know, server lore on, on, on Ravenholt, uh, just kind of because the Grim controls a plurality of our peers who all kind of say yes on this thing, um, and they, quote-unquote, earned it. Um, another piece of this is, like, earning it, if that makes sense. Um, for instance, um, I did a really, really long RP with Gonder, which was about... So, you know, Gonder has... His basic backstory is when he was a teenager, he sold his soul to a demon in order to get warlock powers. Um, and years and years later, right, I started RPing him when he was in his 70s, I think. Um, uh, and so years and years later, now he is actually coming up to... You know, he knows he's going to die soon, right? He's coming up on the end of his life, and he desperately wants to kill the demon that's, that he sold his soul to to get it back, essentially, right? Um, I went through a really long RP up for this, right? It was like six months, all of these like machinations in order to essentially force the demon to possess someone. And then he exercised that person and during the exorcism kills the demon, which gives him his soul back, which, and also by the way, gives him a bunch of extra power. And this is why Gondor is a powerful sorcerer, right? Like he's a powerful warlock. I earned that. I earned that power because I put all the time into it, right? If I walk into an RP with a new character tomorrow and I say, this is, you know, even in, even in you know, normal, not lore-breaking terms, right? This guy is just an amazing fucking warrior. And he just, like, shits all over everyone. And that's his backstory, right? That is not looked on as, as well um, as what happened with Gondor, if that makes sense. Because... There's a respect paid to the amount of time and the end, like, you know, you want your storyline to have tangible rewards, right? You want to, you want a goal, you want to fulfill it, right? Um, and so when that goal gets fulfilled and you kind of reward yourself for that, um, our peers are respectful of that kind of principle, I guess. That makes sense. Okay. Um, just kind of, to kind of put, put like, just to, to put my future side point in, in perspective, um, the attempt there, from, from what I described, it was an attempt to be like you know, I was one of like uh, a, a sea of a sea of people, many of whom I did not know that were like kind of there for the event, but like that, like uh, you know what, never. Oh, so so okay, actually, I I think I see what you're saying. I'm sorry, I thought you meant in the con. I, okay, um, you can be uh, so something that we're actually doing right now in the Emerald Nightmare, um. There's been a really long nightmare thing with Sanctuary, right? Because we're going in and raiding the nightmare. A piece of the nightmare got out or whatever. And so we, we are finally going back into the nightmare in order to get this corpse of one of our guild members that's the, that's in there. Um, that RP is happening in the context of Ursoc, uh, because this guy has like a connection to Ursoc otherwise. But the RP kind of pre-states that Ursoc has already been defeated by whatever vague nameless adventurers have gone in and defeated the Emerald Nightmare. Um, and so it's very likely, this hasn't actually happened yet, but I, I assume this is what's going to happen. It's very likely that we're going to get to Ursoc's lair that does exist, you know, like in that wing of the Nightmare or whatever, um, and find 
the corpse of our guild member um, because he's a druid and dream stuff. It's complicated or whatever. Um, and maybe we'll fight like Ursoc, like in in vague terms, right? Like like the shade of Ursoc, right? You know, he leaves behind these shadows or whatever that attack us or that, whatever that kind of thing. You can interact with um, like interacting with raids uh, and like raid lore to a certain extent is def is like totally fine, right? Like we all know Ursoc was there. If I'm an alchemist, right, and I come in after whatever nameless heroes have defeated Professor Putricide, and I go um you know into ice crown citadel in order to get some extremely rare reagent from one of my alchemy things and so i go in there and you know maybe i fight some leftover zombies that got missed or whatever and then i get my thing and i get out right you that that's totally fine um you can definitely interface with like the raid content in that in that sense um it's just about like taking the specific credit for like okay. Downing the specific boss. Okay. Because, you know, downing bosses is something that everybody on the guild on the server is doing all of the time, but really he's over he's only ever going to die once. Um so it just like it's about it's about kind of like keeping the cognitive cognitive dissonance between the two. Okay. Okay. Let me let me try this then. Um I, I think maybe the best example for this would be like like uh the Siege of Ogremar, because that's supposed to be like like were there Oh, sure. Were there to be an event where like it wasn't like ten people. It was like a lot of people, like like an army or something, right? And like maybe the ten people are the ones that like dive into the depths, you know, go through, go 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 under Ogremar, and that's ten people that are doing all all the tough shit. Right. But like you know, being being a person in the in the siege of Ogremar when they all show up and fight, like. That's is is that that I assume that, is that, that's super yeah that's definitely uh, that's definitely legal that's I mean to be honest that's a little bit of what we're doing with the Emerald Nightmare right um, we are create you know it's it's kind of vague what how stuff happens with the Emerald Nightmare raid obviously um so we've kind of filled in some of the kind of logical gaps uh to make kind of continuity and consistency make sense but in a version of you know in a version of a raid like the Siege of Orgrimmar which is like a big event um that kind of has surrounding ancillary lore yeah if i'm an orc soldier and i you know and i rebel against the corcron and i join vulgin's army right it's totally a legal thing for me to have in my backstory right that i was one of the soldiers that participated in like the siege of orgrimmar right i didn't go down any bosses though right there were all of these other soldiers who just you know who flooded in to clear the city out of uh you know of corcron or whatever um and so that happened. Another version of this might be like the Argent Tournament. Um, in patch 3.2, they created a raid. And that and that raid is basically, right, like, here's a tournament. Here's a bunch of bosses, right? Um, here And this is a tournament that's going on in order to, you know, once they defeat these final bosses, um, those champions that do so are going to be the raiders who go to ICC. It's totally a legal thing to say, I was part of a, you know, like, I was part of a team that attempted the uh uh the argent tournament right the trial of uh trial of the crusader i think it's called that that attempted the trial of crusader and lost right those people exist in lore and there's an infinite number of them right there's however many of them you want right um so yeah you could definitely that that's uh that's a that's a very legal thing to do okay yeah um i hope i didn't get too out in the weeds on that one but i think that's a pretty good base for how rp typically works yeah it is. I, you know, my, you know, I just want to say that I think, uh, I think people should get into RP. Uh, I think one of the biggest, I, I understand how hard it is in a weird way to kind of do it. Like, it's a little bit like, you know, it's just like weird, 
like the first time you do it. You kind of have to like find a groove a little bit. Um, it takes more time than you think, right? Like there's just like a lot of like logistics stuff. But my, my recommendation for people is, you know, don't dip, you know, dip a toe in one at a time. It's jump in, right? Just like jump into the pool. Um, it used to be the best way to do that in game was to go to one of the, the taverns, the Wyvern's Tale in Orgrimmar, uh, or the Blue Recluse in Stormwind, typically just kind of like have people hanging out there doing, you know, random tavern RP, and it's just, you know, like, that's an easy way to go get into it, uh, like, in, in the specific version of us, right, uh, a way to get into RP is to just walk your character into the guild hall, and somebody will probably respond, right, um, and, and that's my and that's my recommendation uh, uh, for people because I think it can get it can it can almost be like daunting I guess when you're listening to people like me who RP all the time and have a, you know I'm, I'm constantly talking about storylines and characters right and lore that gets created or lore that I don't like or you know lore that I do like or characters that I think are cool or characters that I think that are flat right like you know it, th that stuff can bear down uh, and kind of prevent people from getting into it um, I think. So your your advice to listeners is don't be afraid. Just just do it. Yeah. Yep. Just do it. Just do it. You'll uh, it'll it'll work out. It'll be great. All right then. Well, uh, I think that's about our time. We've gone over a little bit, but that's okay. Um, if you want to email us, tell us what you think about RPing and MMOs. You can email us at somedervisplaygames at gmail .com. You can watch us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash somedervisplaygames. You can follow us on YouTube and on Twitter, and you can like and comment and subscribe on SoundCloud and YouTube. Uh, not you. Well, yes, on YouTube and on um. Uh, iTunes, I guess, in the Android store, and all of those things. There will be links in the description, buddy. Did you have anything else that you wanted to promote while we were here? Nothing, today? nothing that I was that I was looking to promote. Uh, thanks for listening to me ramble about RP. No, th <laughs> thanks for answering my my uh, my questions. Um, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>